Suvas Perik Zain Mishnah Ches seven eight. In the previous Mishnah, we discussed the topic of mumin blemishes, which a typical person would object to in his wife, and therefore, if he didn't know they were there, um, there's potentially grounds for um, divorce, and that a claim could be made for mekach taos that he was misled and entered into the kedushin arrangement under false pretenses, and therefore shouldn't be binding in the first place. Now we said, in the case of a Mekah claim, um, the results will be that, number one, he still has to give her a get, because it's a suffolk, we're not certain that it wasn't effective, and therefore we give a get out of suffolk, because suffolk derives the chumrah. Um, but also, we say that he won't need to pay her her ksuba, because we'll say um, the burden of proof is now on her. We're not sure if it was binding or not. He's claiming it wasn't binding, and um, that being the case, we are going to require her to bring some proof that he had agreed to it or something like that. Otherwise, she won't be able to collect the ksuba. Now, in our Mishnah, the topic is we're talking about a certain movement which potentially came into being after Kedushin, but we're not sure. So certainly we're not talking about someone like having six fingers, right? So if a woman had six fingers, that's one of the women that are invalidated a Kohen and therefore invalidate um, a woman. Uh, and therefore, if he was misled and she had six fingers and he didn't know about it, so of course um, we're talking there as a case of makachtos, unless she can show that he knew about it and agreed to it. But other things, like for example, that her, her, um, her voice is very deep, um, like disturbingly deep, or that she has a you know very bad breath, or or some other body odor. So that could have come only through adolescence, and um, very possibly when he did the kedushin stage and she became an arusa, that hadn't happened yet. She still hadn't developed that mum, but later on it did. Now the case of our Mishnah is that the father of the bride and the husband of the bride are having a tug of war over whether or not the ksuba should be paid. The father, so therefore we're talking about a case in where the girl is a minor or at most a nara, so he has a claim to get the ksuba payment. So he's saying when the kedushin happened, the moment question had not yet appeared, and therefore the the marriage is binding, it's not a mekachtos. And then, as the Mishnah describes it, v'nistachafa sadehu, his field got flooded, meaning the thing he acquired with Kedushin, his wife, got messed up after the fact. That's nature running its course and not, not anyone's fault. And therefore, the husband um, has to, if he's going to divorce the girl, has to pay the ksuba. On the other side, we have the husband who's saying, no, I don't know about that. Um, I bet you tricked me and this really came into place, this mum, you know, her, her, her voice or her breath, whatever the story is, um, developed and you just hid it from me. It happened before the the uh, Arison, and therefore it's a mekachtos, and you can have your daughter back, um, but I'm not paying ksuba. So there's a fight over the ksuba payment. Um, so our mission is discussing that. Now, just a few important points of background. Number one, I mentioned this before, but I want to mention it again. There's a mechlokas amorayim, whether there's any ksuba payment at all if a woman never gets to the stage of Nisuin and she moves in with the husband. Our Mishnah, like all the Mishnahs we've seen up to now, are seem to suggest that the Ksuba payments would be, in fact, um, payable, even if the marriage had made it to Nesuin. And there's an R case here, for example, the husband discovered after the Arison, but before the Nesuin. Now, 
according to Shitas that say there is Aksuba payments um, even after Arison and even before Nesuin, so everything is going to make perfect sense and read smoothly. If not, so we'll have to say that the case of our Mishnah is, like we saw previously and earlier on the Masechta, that the husband explicitly said that the Ksuva will be payable even if he breaks it off or dies um, prior to the Nesuin. Okay, so that will be the case. The Lacha is, in fact, that there is no um, Ksuva payment prior to Nesuin, but our mission is not going like that. Okay? So it must be a case, for example, where he stipulated that she'd get the payment um, before Nesuin. Um, now, the mission says inside. It says, Hayuba Mumin. It turns out that she gets a mum, and she's still in her father's house, meaning Nesuin hasn't happened yet, but Erison has happened. So, again, the tug of war is Ha'av Tsarh Lahavi Rayasha Missionist Arsa Nolduba Mumin Halalu. The burden of proof will be on the father to show, to pr- prove that these blemishes, these whatever they are, deformities or other you know developments occurred after the Arison, after that she the first step of marriage, she accepted the Kedushan, and therefore Vinestacha Fasadehu. His, and therefore, he's the loser. The husband is the loser. He bought something, so to speak, that later on got ruined, just like if you buy a field, and afterwards it gets flooded and ruined, so the purchaser can't go back to the seller and say, I want to give it back to you. No, you bought it, now it's your field, and you incur liability if something goes wrong. Similarly over here, that's metaphorical. The groom, Hassan, took the call of the bride and did Kedushim with her, and then after that, something went wrong. Her voice changed, her body odor changed, whatever the story is. And so now the father's saying, okay, you want a divorce, that's your prerogative, but pay me the ksuva. So then the burden of proof is on him, the father, says the Mishnah. However, once she moves into her husband's domain, meaning the suin happens, so she now moves in with him, then the burden of proof shifts now to the husband. The father, excuse me, the husband now, if he wants to get away without paying the ksuba, remember, he can divorce her according to Mishnah law whenever he wants. That's not stop, no one's stopping him from divorcing her. But if he wants to get away without paying the ksuba, he'll have to bring proof that he was misled, the thing had developed previously, and therefore, vahaya mikho mikach tos, and therefore, the kinyan he made, the acquisition he made in giving his wife that ring way back when, at condition time, was made under false pretenses and therefore shouldn't be binding and therefore he shouldn't have to pay the ksuva. Now, all oh, that's Divir of Meir. That's your Meir Shita. Um, you'll see the Machlok isn't very big. We'll see in a moment. Hacham Orm, the Hacham say, and actually this next sentence is not really actually a Machlokus. But Medivar Memorim, when is it a case where the husband can make a claim that it was Mekachtos in the first place? That's only Bumumin Shebeseser. Blemishes that are not open to the to someone who looks at the girl. But if we're talking about a girl who's missing an arm or whatever, an extra finger, or has a you know a gigantic hairy mole on the tip of her nose or something, so then how could the husband possibly say he didn't know about it? Of course he knew about it, right? Of Bamuman Shabagali, the any blemish that is open for anyone to who looks to see, Enuyacholiton then there's no possibility no, there's no possibility of the husband um, making such a claim. Now, that would be true even if, let's say, he never saw her before. Um, that doesn't matter, really. You know, or, or let's say, you know, when she came, you know, I don't know what, she was wearing a long dress and he couldn't see she was, you know, so severely bow-legged or she only had one leg or something. Uh, that's, no, because 
everyone can see from this girl from other scenarios in the town that she is got one leg or something, and um, and therefore he'd hear about it. Okay, but um, there's of course there are certain um, of these blemishes which she could conceal, um, and people just wouldn't know about it necessarily because you know whatever it's under under her under her toga whatever she's wearing. But now says the Mishnah further, and this is the sheet of the Chacham that Reb Meir disagrees with. If there is a public bathhouse in that city, meaning that everyone goes to the public bathhouses to wash from time to time, and in such a place the women undress for other women, um, so then, then, said the Chachamim, the husband can't even claim he didn't know about um, the kind of mum that, would, um, that was hidden from the eye. Because he would have uh, investigated her through his relatives, meaning he would ask his sister or his mother or his niece or something to check out the girl to make sure that she was of a sound body and would come out that, you know, she has six fingers or whatever, whatever the, you know, her, whatever it is. Now, the Reb Meir disagrees on that point. Reb Meir says, listen, even if there is a merchatz, a public bathhouse, so, you know, the girl wants to conceal the fact she has whatever she has wrong with her, so she'll be very careful to not go when anyone's looking, or to keep it covered, you know, or maybe just, you know, he didn't, maybe the husband doesn't get a chance to get his niece to go and investigate, who knows. The point is, um, that's not good enough, says says uh, Reb Meir. The Allah is, however, that, like the Chachamim, um, that if we can presume that he would have known of all of these things um, if it's reasonable to assume he could know about them and therefore he can't make such a claim. Now the exact technicalities about what will be included in that um, sort of depends on the time and place and what's normal, how people dress in public and private and how people behave themselves in public and private bathhouses, all that kind of stuff. Um, so therefore, um, so therefore, you know, the halacha is like the chamim, to whatever extent it, it is halacha lemaisa, I'm not exactly sure.